You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Welcome to episode number 13 of Line of Sight, unlucky episode number 13. Uh, my name is Chandler, I'm here again with Jaden, who made it back from Canada. Yeah, man, not having your phone is scary sometimes. Yeah, they didn't suck your li- suck all of your life out for the free healthcare machine? Uh, no, no they did not. I'm a Canadian citizen, they only do that to foreigners. Okay, that explains a lot. It's like, uh, it's, it's like the Skeksis from uh, Dark Crystal, they just, they capture you and steal your essence and that's what they use for the uh all the the free health care works correct yep canadians basically skexies that's essentially what i'm saying uh <laughs> i can't tell if this podcast loves or hates canada <laughs> I, I don't know um i we did say last time we are we are a surprisingly canadian cast so i mean maybe it's like begrudging admiration yeah something like that uh anyway of course you just heard our uh, returning intern uh brett how's it going do I get a promotion if I'm on every episode? Yeah, you've been on you've been on more than any of us. Killing so. <laughs> it. That's not actually true because I had the one by myself, so I'm still even. I always mm. forget that one. Yeah, that's true. Most of us try to. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that more listens than all the rest of our episodes combined. It's yeah, not wrong. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, news. Uh, Trencher CID updates exists. Uh, Haley 2 got uh, nerfed. Uh, yep. 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 Uh, shows she... she's literally unplayable garbage. Nobody play her. <laughs> Please. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, you can, you can build lists that are like, hey, this list is meant to fight Haley now. And it's like, hmm, yeah, that might work. Like, yeah. crazy. I mean, hopefully they don't play any lightning at all, but that's fine. Yeah, I know, right? And that's the thing, is it's funny. It's like, well, you just bring infantry skew, like, into Signar, huh? That sounds, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. I mean, at least it's like, you get to play a game now, you know, one way or another. Uh, which is all we've been asking for, for how many years? Uh, all the years. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we had a whole bunch of the CID changes, um... Otherwise, there's not been a whole lot this week. We saw the Insider 4 Disciples of Agony, but that wasn't really anything new. Unless you're a Minions player. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they can take the Dracodile. Yeah. Because if you're a Minions player, you have to take the internet and complain about how how this game how this is ruining the game, even though those five Warlocks are freaking terrible. Yeah. I think those lists will be strong, but it's like... Those, yeah, those I think those lists will be fine, but I don't think they're going to be... You know, like you're, you're not going to take... Um, a wrestler in them because you don't none of those um, casters have any way to threat range or deliver so you're gonna yep. have to take a gladiator still yep well what i've been mostly saying is like you take a bajillion <laughs> or savages and then just like spam out primal with naresh sounds cool sounds really cool sounds totally beatable but and i mean i'm not using my battle force <laughs> you can use them yep basically could run the was it was hungerford's list was like how many battles? Like six of them or something? Just, it's just like he was just like my example list of disciples Agni is a boatload of battle boards, and you're just like great, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Will. <laughs> it's, 
That's what we need. Finally answering the question of, do they understand that's, that spam exists? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, otherwise... We're it's... all just holding our breath for themes. <clears throat> Pretty much, Basically. yeah. I, we're... They, they did a couple of more, like, theme insiders, but they've, like... They've repeatedly been the ones we already knew about. It was like Disciples of Agony. We had the the um, Immortals one. Um, we didn't know about because... Black Industries. Yeah, Black Industries. Well, that's what. And so that was for last week, and that was the last one we had that was anything new. Um, yeah, I think it's because um, both of them are centered around the themes that are most excited. So they wanted to spoil the themes that they were most excited about, and yeah. then they wanted to spoil what they're most excited about again. Yeah, fair basically. enough. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, nothing super wild gone with news. Uh, and we should be seeing the themes fairly soon. Like, what, week and, week and a half-ish? I think at the end of the uh, month, right? That's kind you of got my... said end of the month, so. <clears throat> my brain is the 24th. Yeah. That's a Sunday, so I don't know why. Yeah, well, uh, the, so the 27th is when the no quarter drops. Yeah, um, I would not be surprised if it's the same day as that. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, that's also when they're going to be dropping a lot of the trencher, the the other stuff in the war room and whatnot. So, yep, that uh, makes sense. We believe anyway. So, yeah, uh, we're not doing rule of the week this week. Uh, nope. So basically, yeah. So <laughs> this week, what we did, uh, a lot of you probably saw, we posted around a little bit and asked um, people to just just give us questions, just interesting questions about anything you wanted to hear our thoughts about or ideas about or um, whatever. Some of them will probably end up turning into episodes eventually because some of these are quite deep. Um, yep. But we'll at least touch on them and explain whether it's something a little too complicated for right now. Um, and we got a whole bunch, so we're, we're going to be running through this. It's going to take some time, so we didn't want to bog down the time with... Uh, <laughs> Trying to work out some kind of rule of the week for this one. Um, this is all in. We're 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 breaking the usual uh, schedule because it's the thirteenth episode and we need to screw with the system or else it's all going to go wrong. Yep. <laughs> are we are we going to do a troll question count? Uh, if you want to. Troll. <laughs> <laughs> so Jaden, why don't you ask us the first question? Uh, all right, fine. So uh, Tim Banky wants to know how does Grimkin beat Abby Two? Well, you've got and... a you've got a fifty percent win rate, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's... So uh, my answer is it does it fifty percent of the time. Yeah. Does it involve dropping the correct list? Uh, well, you know, I think that probably would help. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I also suspect that playing your list more than you know that day would help. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, if your if your opponent rolls really poorly for like multiple turns in a row, I suspect that would be good as well. That's actually so. a really good strategy in most matchups I've found. Is yeah, to, absolutely. Is to dice your opponent. <laughs> it's, it's great. Works every time. Yep. Wouldn't be a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kill Kator Jack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> should we make uh, Should we make Brett read the next one? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I actually have a, I actually have an answer that I've thought about. It makes me sad. Um, okay. So John asks, what would what would you need to bring me bring you back to circle? Um, so it makes me sad because of how close I am to just beating my head up against that wall again. I think if someone gave me three painted world wardens and then all the theme forces and world changes came out, I'd be back. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really noble. <laughs> Yeah, right? Because I really I think, want to play Wormwood with five Geomancers, and I don't I think I have three painted Wardens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm trying to score free shit from uh, listeners. Stop, stop ruining that. Uh, 
Okay. I only have one. It's okay. <laughs> well, we're, I think this question is directed somewhat at all of us. Jaden, what do you think? Oh, man. To bring me back to Circle? Um, gosh, I don't know. Make them more interesting than Grimkin in some way, because until that happens, I'm not coming back for a while. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't even know anymore. Um, I'm kind of so beyond the faction. Uh, financially, it's basically impossible, but if it was like, oh man, this is really going to bring me back. Um, Gargage one that didn't suck? I see, I'm not, I never even really played our Gargage ones because I never owned them. Um, she just wants Nirvana 2 I, and Thorn Ravagers to be Mark 2 again. Yeah, in part. I want Thorn Ravagers to be an armor cracker, like an actual one. And, and the, I want the, the female Thorn to be interesting. That's like a, if you made like a, one of the like female Thorn warlocks and completely reworked how Bloodweavers worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd think about it because that's the if if you made like a Tharn theme that was like more that aspect of Tharn, less about kind of the because the Tharn theme is very like the heavy infantry type ones mostly. I mean, people take blood trackers, but uh, if you made like a like a blood magic like Tharn theme, I'd I'd be really interested in that kind of a thing because um, that's the kind of stuff I was really like. That's why I like Morvana too. Is she let me play all that all that kind of wacky stuff and um. Now most of that is just confusing and doesn't yep. doesn't make any sense. Bloodweavers just make that no sense whatsoever. At this point. Uh, yeah, so Jaden's saying you need to redesign the faction from the ground up. Chandler's saying you only need to redesign all of the infantry from the ground up. Yes. So he's close. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I found an actual like a, a tangible thing that I could I could do. Um, make shifting stones not completely within anymore. And then add one other cool movement trick that's not caster dependent, and then give more of our Warbeast Pathfinder, and I'd be back. Yeah, Pathfinder or points reduction. Just like Pathfinder points reduction and another movement trick. Just get the like the 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 theme and like the identity of Circle and just like make it a thing instead of kind of a bunch of disjointed parts. That's kind of how you don't like the cutline faction. I know, and and I, I think that's how a lot of us have felt. Was it's just the 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 like actual soul of the faction wasn't really there uh, for us, I think, anymore. Um, so here yep. we are. Uh, I'll re- All I'll... those changes happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'll read this one, and then Jaden will answer it, because I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> it's my turn. So. Um, Michael asks, what about the heretic makes him viable into Cricks? So there's a couple of things. Uh, the first one is that he's immune to spells and he's immune to knockdown, which means that Denegra 1 cannot do her pop-and-drop assassination on him. Um, his absolute bottom-out stats against his, against the Denegra army is going to be defense 13, armor 15, which uh, turns out when you also have some Kravitz kicking around, you're not going to die to guns, which is basically what she's got. Yeah, and you'll uh, probably rock, like, stealth or something that turn, too. Like, it's just going to be yeah. really difficult to... Shadow, Shadow is, like, the end of all things for <clears throat> any played matchup, and it, the pair is Dark Host. And yeah. Yeah. Perfect. loves Dark Host. Yep. Um, the other thing that makes him super viable is that he's got, like, three or four different ways to build, and so... The Crix player, and also Arcana are just a big deal. And so the Crix player really has to, like, know literally what everything in the Grimkin army does, and also needs to know exactly how your Arcana work. And 
like in my game against Banky last weekend, he like three quarters killed my objective and then killed a Krabbit to charge it with something else, and I popped Sacrifice and healed my objective back up to full. Um, so stupid crap like that. Which, which is a bad example because he knows exactly how your army works. But he's still yeah, doing... well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> even even when you do know exactly how it works, sometimes it's not enough. Yeah. Yep. So there's so many intricacies to how that faction works. So it's yeah. You steal crippling grasp. You are the happiest man in the world. Uh, yeah. I I would like to point out that that Tim very carefully only ever cast Venom and Ghostwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ghostwalk's really fucking good. In, uh, in. Yeah, it's it's true, but I didn't need it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. Jaden, you can run to the next one. That's true. All right. Ben asks, how do I improve my game outside of play lots slash get good? Uh, the answer, Ben, is to get good. Thanks, <laughs> Chandler. Thank you so Sorry, much. Sorry. I... <laughs> and the spirit of party foul descended upon line of sight. I spend, oh, there's the call out. I spend way too much time around Ben, so we get it. Right. We get it. So, um, Jaden mentioned this, but really the philosophy of this podcast is completely against <clears throat> get good. Um, the, the idea that because you're better, you don't need to explain yourself or learn or talk to people. Um, the yep. idea behind the podcast is that the way to improve is to improve your entire meta. So you should be spending time thinking about how to make other people better, how to make yourself better, and what to do to improve in a in a reasonable manner. Yep. Just play uh, me, Ben. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you better. <laughs> um, so the the play lots is an easy answer to give because it is the best answer. Um, at the end of the day, experience trumps almost everything. However, for people who don't have unlimited free time, which I think is everyone who doesn't own a game store, um, well, well. <laughs> is uh, you you start trying to use what time you have effectively. Um, yep. So that means um, instead of just going to game night, wandering around, asking for games, you start talking to people and trying to arrange specific focused practice games. Trying uh, like schedule two games in a night and make them well, I'm worried about this matchup. I think it's really good into me. Can we try my normal list into that and then see how bad it is and see what I can do as a play as play improvements? Um, yep. Don't just don't just play super one-sided games that favor you um, and like win all your practice games and then not learn anything. You have you have to play hard games. Yeah. So to add to that, um, like this is this is a topic that I actually have a fair amount of experience with because for about three years. After I started playing War Machine and I moved back up to Washington, I didn't play a game for the first year and a half, and then I only got to play about once a month. Um, and the way that I really improved is, first of all, I learned all of the models in the game that I could. Um, and just straight up knowing stats and how things work together by reading about them is, a sh is something that you can do outside of being able to play. And it doesn't take very long if you've got War Room. You just sort of like coast through a couple cards a day, and pretty quick you've got the entire game. Uh, under your belt at least once. Okay. Um, and the other, you have to explain like the the ways to learn, right? Yeah. So, well, there's so, some there's some... active active thought. Like, uh, I like building lists and coming up with weird concepts and trying to use weird models so that you're actively thinking about what those rules are and how they interact. Um, mm -hmm. that, that makes you remember a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and even if it's like. 
all you do – so say you have, like, no time at all or you have nobody in your meta and you're just like, I want to learn how power attacks work. As, as cheesy and silly as this sounds, if you sit down with yourself and a couple of models from two different factions for 20 minutes and just pretend power attack, throw or slam or whatever, like, five or six times each, you'll have those in your head pretty quickly. Same thing with, like, if you've got a really complicated to deploy list, I am 100% in favor of getting out your table – or just your kitchen table or whatever, and practicing deploying that list three, four, five, ten times, and just seeing if you can improve the way it goes. Or and then uh, after you've done that, unpack and like try and play out the first turn of running and make sure you yep. can get your stuff where it needs to go. Yeah, I um, like running through all the scenarios first and second. Uh, that's a good number of uh, practice times, and it takes like half an hour. Yep, that's that's a great idea, especially since the scenarios are so different <laughs> in seventeen. Yep. Um. And yeah, just like know the scenarios. That's another important thing, I'd say. Like, if you don't have enough time to play a whole bunch, the best thing you can do for yourself is to mentally prepare, I think. Um, since you're not going to get the physical practice in, the mental side of things is just as important, or maybe even more important, probably. Because um, you can always, like, pre-measure now, so that's not a skill that you have to worry about. So if you think about it from a time perspective... Um, I find that the best reason to know stats uh, and, to, and to be quick with mental math is that it saves you literally 10, 15 minutes a game just to be able to know an opponent's stats right off the top of your head and go, I'm at 6, that's defense 15, I need a 9, that's not a 9, move on. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's really important to be able to use that time quickly. Um, and if you understand scenarios really well, if you understand your rules and your interactions really well, you, have to, you can spend less of your mental load thinking about them and more of them thinking about things like strategy and tactics, um, which means that even if you don't have a ton of experience with real games, if you don't waste any time on things that you can get better at by yourself, then you can spend all of your time usefully thinking about things that you can't practice and things that you need to think a lot about. Yep. This is like a really involved topic and we'll probably come back to this <clears> one, but I, I, I do have one last thing and that is to either watch or read battle reports about your faction specifically um you can learn a lot from people that are really really good at this game um i learned so much about trolls by watching jay larson play over and over and over just like figuring out what he was doing why he was doing it figuring out why it was good to do what he did um and then also eventually you can start critiquing it being like i don't think this was the correct play and then watching a couple turns later as you know that flank gets destroyed because you you know misplacement or whatever so live vicariously um, through other people and let their experiences sort of be your experiences. It's a lot um, like reading a book, you know, you get that idea. Well, and just like Jaden said, you, you need to actively think about the game. Just watching a game, just for the entertainment value, isn't going to help you. But thinking about, is that the right thing to do? Why is he doing that? What does that do? What does that do to his options? That, that's yep. how you improve. Yep. And uh, most of the good War Machine content out there, the players try and explain what they're thinking uh, as they go through it. And that's very helpful. Try. Uh, oh, and travel to <laughs> tournaments. Uh, support your meta in your city. Drive to other metas. Um, but tournament games generally are more valuable than practice games, and um, it's a lot of fun to drive around to other tournaments, drive with your locals, become friends, all that. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's all we got outside of an episode, but we love that topic, so we'll come back. Yes, we will. And it's your turn, Brett. Ooh. Oh, good. <laughs> so, we're just we're just giving we're giving you all the ones that we we're giving you all the ones we know you want to answer. 
Oh, I want to answer so bad. Uh, David asked, what would it take to get people into hordes or to even out the balance between War Machine and hordes? So just as a fun fact, um, at the WTC this year, 28, 28% of players are playing hordes. That's yeah. that's rough. So there was an interesting transition uh, from Mark II to Mark III, uh, and I think a lot of people didn't really understand why, unless you were really thinking about it, but... Uh, what exactly the transition was that, because Hordes was very, very popular, uh, in Mark II. A lot of the strongest factions were Hordes factions, and across the board, pretty much always, uh, outside some very specific spots, uh, War Beasts outclassed Warjacks in almost all respects. Um, so in Mark II, Warjacks, uh, represented a resource drain. That was a, a big, aspect of them was they pulled focus off your caster. Uh, whereas more war beasts was essentially just a straight up force multiplier. The more of them you brought, now you had to deal with frenzies and things like that. But some factions basically ignored that rule completely. Uh, and even the ones that didn't as much, like it just wasn't that big a deal. Um, now, uh, warjacks are a force multiplier as well. Every jack you bring represents an additional free focus because of power-up. Um, on top of that, the way that um, point costs shifted, uh, damage values changed, you ended up in a spot where really quickly uh, bringing more warjacks was better and warjacks were more cost-efficient. Um, we're talking, you know, the Juggernaut being a 12-point model with a power strength of 19 weapon, versus, let's say, uh, the, like, Shadowhorn Seder or something like that, right? Which was rocking, like, POW 13s. And, it, you know, and, and they tried to kind of go with this idea of these sort of, like, discount heavies, but they didn't really equal very well one-to-one. Finding that balance between the Fury and the Focus mechanic is really difficult. The other thing is that, uh, to sort of, part of the balance of how War Machine was balanced versus Hordes in Mark II uh, had a lot to do with the infantry. Um, War Machine Infantry was typically speaking much better uh, not always but generally speaking you had a lot better infantry and that was kind of the balance out for how uh, mediocre uh, jacks were versus War Beasts so you'd have hordes typically running more War Beasts you'd have War Machine typically running more uh, more infantry the problem is, is that the infantry didn't really get any better in fact often got worse in hordes whereas it stayed about the same Sometimes better, sometimes worse in War Machine. But Manoth got better, Signar got worse, except for... Uh, yeah, Sent- <laughs> Sentinels. Um, uh, Brett got a lot better, yeah. Brett got a lot better. Um, for the most part, they got better. And uh, so you suddenly ended up in a spot where Warjacks were more cost-efficient and a better for- uh, force multiplier and were more effective than War Beasts, and War Machine infantry outstripped Horde's infantry most of the time. Um, now there are specific builds where this isn't the case, but if you look at kind of the average across a lot of hordes versus war machine, that's kind of how it plays out. And it, it, hordes just has felt weird in Mark III. It's getting better slowly. Yeah, so look, if you look back at the beginning of Mark III, um, there were three factions that were, well, once Metric II got changed, there were three factions that were basically unplayable for that first couple months. Um, that was one horde or one um, 
War Machine faction and two Hordes factions. And, like, um, Legion and Circle weren't in, like, particularly great shape. They had a couple of good things, a couple of playable things. They kept getting broken shit released for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas all the War Machine factions, uh, with the exception of Crix, felt like they were firing <laughs> all filters. They had all kinds of cool options and ideas and new stuff was coming out. And there was all kinds of exciting things. And then, you know, Circle had the little weird. <laughs> Everything goes off the rails. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's just balancing. It's just getting getting the pieces where they need to be. The, the thing is, is most of the factions have like you know take like between Circle and like Legion. Um, you know, JVM's done very well. A number of other Legion players, you know, Legion One, uh, Attack X, right? Um, like there are there are some powerful lists scattered through these factions, but they're very narrow. And if the meta ever wanders away from those lists, they can't cope. Like, the factions don't have much of anything else. I know the um, hardest thing for me was I was playing I was playing a hell of a lot of Wormwood. Um, yeah. And I, and I got smashed because I was playing the on-meta list. People knew exactly how to deal with him. Yeah, and then once, you know, when you're when you're banking so much on this, like, one or two casters, and, and uh, things shift, like, you go, okay, well... My things that answer that don't do it very well anymore. Um, a lot of stuff just needs to be fixed. I mean, there's some really cool stuff in all the factions, and people have found success with a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the numbers are showing what they're showing. <laughs> and, well, and it's also pretty telling that uh, there are only two factions in the game that have around a 50% or less um, theme rate, theme for slip rate, mm-hmm. and that's Circle and Scorn. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, the themes are, are just not need to be. And, and, you know, Scorn, Scorn got a pretty, uh, pretty Scorn's good. Themes aren't, they don't have a problem with power. They have a problem with quantity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Scorn, Scorn themes, I think will, they'll, they'll get there. Um, and, and the, the big rework for Scorn that was done in early Mark three had a lot of really great stuff in it. Now, do I think they're quite there? Maybe. Uh, we'll see when kind of more of the themes come out. The problem is, is we're also just in this really awkward transitional phase where it's a little hard to say where all the factions are going to be because, yep. I mean, we're going to have how many themes we don't even know drop in the next week and a half, two weeks or whatever. Um, we've not every faction has had a major CID yet, not even close. Um, you know, you had Signar and Trolls and then like Protector got some love in this last one, which was great, but um, the CIDs have, you know, some people have kind of yelled power creep and, and that there's some truth to that, but it's through better design. It's not really through things being like just mathematically stronger. It's just, these are more well-designed, which is going to make them better. All right. Side note, power creep. Um, power creep is when a model is introduced that makes all other models, you know, uh, in its class completely useless. Like for yeah. example, <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, or it's interesting. Um, power creep is not taking models that were completely fucking unplayable and making them worth considering for even a second. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's going to take time. Um, I think once we've seen a couple of CID cycles, the thing is, is it could take it could take a year, it could take two years, uh, or even longer before everything really smooths out. I think to how it's properly supposed to be, but th- that's not really new. I mean, a lot of the people now I didn't play back then, but even the transition from Mark One to Mark Two, it was, you know, it, it's so long ago. People kind of pass it off; it's not that big of a thing. But it was a lot of the same stuff. 
Um, it was a very, you know, there's a very messy transition. There was a lot of stuff going on for a good few years before things kind of smoothed out. Um, yep. So I would like to throw out there, uh, having sat next to Bagani as he got extremely drunk, um, that they know that there are problems and they're working on them. Uh, it's just, they don't have enough time in the day. Pagani had battle reports with CID crap on them from the last cycle that he was reading in his spare moments there, and he had a giant stack that he said he still had to go through. Yeah. So they're working on it. It's just going to take some time. It's at the end of the day, the, the dev team is not It's not that big. Yeah, it's like, no, it's like six people. Like, yeah. It's like three full-time and three uh, part-time. And it, it's a hard thing because it's, it's not one of those jobs that you can just be like, we'll just hire 30 more guys then because it's like, no, this is a... It's a very intricate thing. You need people who know what they're doing, you know, and it's a team effort. And so make it bigger, it gets slower. Um, yep. And, so, yeah. And yeah, you have to be like a multi-billion dollar company like Blizzard in order to perform. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're doing what they can. It's just, uh, Hordes needs just a lot of, a lot of things, just a lot of tweaks. Um, so what would it take to get more people into Hordes? The thing is, is there were a lot of people into Hordes when they actually felt like they were like good. <laughs> Yeah. At the end of the day, um, if think, factions are like solid, like people will play them. I think uh, <coughs> for three of the factions, the enforcers are a huge problem. Um, actually, four of the hordes factions, the enforcers are a huge problem. Yeah. I think Legion only has one playable theme force. I think Circle has lots of bad theme forces. I think Scorn doesn't have enough theme forces. I think uh, Trolls theme forces are fine. A plus. Yep. Now they need some casters or models to go in them, which fortunately Northwind. Um, yep. Minions uh, theme forces are just on this edge of playable, um, and they. So I think, man, if if they fix all the circle theme forces, they fix the Legion theme forces, and the Ogren theme force turns out great, and the Blindwater CID coming up turns up. I think that's enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got the I mean, live, they hinted at a living beast one for circle. If that one's strong, you know, it's. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, it's. Heavy metal. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing, right? It, it's it's always felt like the power level's been fine, but now the theme forces you're falling behind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. We took a really long time with that one. So yeah, it's true. Chandler. Uh, yeah, this one's from Scott, another local. Uh, is it best to start off a new faction with a theme force? So is it best? Uh, I don't know. Kind of depends on the faction. Oh, depends um, on how good a deal the uh, theme boxes are. <laughs> Yeah, that, that yeah, those do help. Those theme boxes do help a lot. However, uh, I I do think that right now, especially as we're getting more and more of them, especially as we're starting to see themes that have actually like had a CID and a bunch of releases around them, um, I think that's a pretty cool way to start a faction. Um, yep. I've actually I've, I think uh, playing a theme for like a theme force that's being CID'd, I think that might be the best way to start a faction because nobody has a problem with you proxying because it's a bunch of new crap. Um, it, the rules are constantly in flux, so it doesn't matter if you know them or not. And you, you're all about trying to understand the feeling of the theme force rather than how to play it well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I've had very little, um, desire to, uh, play around with other factions much, uh, playing Protector and Mark III, but until certain themes drop, you see certain, like, I never thought that, uh, Private Press was ever going to get me playing Mercs. <laughs> but I know. now I'm like, Looking at Laylee's resistance stuff, especially Laylee's stuff, because I just don't even yeah. care. Like from a fluff from a fluff perspective, like I I like Ashlyn and nothing else. Like I just do not care. But the lists are so cool. Um, yeah. That you know I'm looking into it, and even like Scorn, right? Like I actually, to be honest, really dislike just about everything about Scorn, except 
really like Construct stuff. And they've got that <laughs> Immortals theme coming. And then I like the Minion Beasts, and I think they're pretty cool. And they've got a Minion Beast-based theme coming, so I was like, ah, I might have a couple scoring lists eventually. You know, it's it's a really... I think it's a, a really cool way to bring people in new factions, and I think it's a perfectly good way to start. Um, especially, and, it, and this is a little bit of the goal that they were going for, if you're like just barely getting into the game. Um, so this was, like, I recently, I, I played some Infinity for a while, and that's kind of exactly what I did, was pick sort of a sub-faction. Uh, and it made it way easier to learn the game, because I was just like, alright, I just have like this handful of models, and... You know, I kind of just need to know how they work together, and I get, I need to know what my special rules are for taking it, and then I'm good to go, you know? And it, it was really easy to pick it up that way, and I, I think if you like, if there's something specific you really like the aesthetic of in a faction that's got a theme for it, it's a great way to start. Um, just just to follow on your Infinity <coughs> example, uh, make sure to talk to people who play the game first and give them a couple options, and don't accidentally play uh, Infinity Mark II um, J- Japanese Sectorial and be like, why the fuck am I losing all these games? And then mm-hmm. they're like, they're the worst faction in the game. Oh. oh, yeah. No, I knew. Yeah, the one I chose, I knew I was getting in hard mode. Although they just buffed them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, boy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think themes are a great way to start any faction. Yeah. God, I never thought I would say that, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jaden. Alright, Joshua asks, when is it better to throw a model than to just try and kill it instead? Um, my answer is basically if you straight up have to knock something else down, or if it clears a zone and wins the game. And other than that, I'm almost always going to go with killing it. Oh, there's one important one. One Uh, important one. If models are very well spread out, um, and your heavy can only get into melee, like, like, with say, one or two infantry models, um, and you have plenty of fury management or whatever, Pick up one, throw into something far away, buy an attack on the second one. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. If yeah. you've got if you've got open fists, you've got a gun. You Correct. do have a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Throw guys at the buddies. Um, it's most of the time, most of the time, you're better off just smacking it until it dies. Um, but there are situations where, you know, if something's a little, if you're like, I need to clear the zone and I'll win the game, throws are really really good for that. Um, yeah. Although they will get you sometimes. You yep. failed that strength check. Strength check. Yeah, I had I had my cage rager win a strength check against a Kodiak at attack X, <laughs> yeah, and it like, felt oh. amazing. Uh, yeah. My opponent rolled double ones, and I rolled a three. That's what like, it is. Yeah. It's when they roll the double ones, and you're just like, well, I need pretty much anything functional. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Brett. Gene asks, how do you win trades with infantry? Um, spacing. Uh, so <laughs> spacing mostly. I mean, that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, so this is another one that you can get a lot of use out or a lot of practice out of alone. Um, start working in formations that uh, can flow through each other. Um, so one one way that I like to do it is something I learned from Ryan is um, you do like X's um, mm-hmm. so that you have like a line of infantry and then an offset line and then a, it's a kind of a di- it's like a diagonal grid. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So th- this is really effective because it's um, if you put them put the lines far enough apart from each other, um, your opponent can't get more than the front line, um, which is really good if you have say a vengeance unit, um, and it also makes you resistant to AOEs um, and very very resistant to warjacks because warjacks are really good at focusing power into a small area. So the more you spread out your units, the less effective they are against infantry. 
Um, and it also allows you to charge past each other in very easy ways because um, there's lots of lines and diagonals that you can use to get across. Yeah. Um, this works especially yeah. well with reach infantry, where the front lines can actually, sorry, two-inch melee infantry. So the front lines can actually, you, you want to kind of keep those, so you can spread out enough that you just want to make sure that a small base can't pass through without taking a free strike, and you'll be able to make it so they have to kill stuff in the front before they can move on to the next line. Um, and the, the, the real trick with infantry is to um, force something to come into it um, and still be able to counterattack. So the worst thing in the world <clears> is if they can shave off your front line and you can't retaliate at all. Um, so make sure that your lines are close enough that you can still retaliate anything that kills it, um, but not too close that they they can just wipe the entire unit. Yeah, there's kind of a, especially like uh, a lot of the time if you're dealing with like reach heavies or something like that, um, trying to space out that second and if you can third line, it depends on how fast your stuff is. Uh, with the idea in mind that you want to be able to charge something that has two-inch melee that is hitting your front line. Um, being able to kind of threaten a couple inches past your front line is really, really helpful. Another thing, I see a lot of people do this, but not everybody like knows to do it. Uh, get a blast key and just position with that. Yep. Uh, yep. That's a really common one. Is just as your as your guys are running, set the blast key for you know whatever. You have, you have to kind of know what AOEs your opponent has. Most of the time it's three inch, but some people have fours or if it's a red colossal, then it's like five inch nonsense. But or delivers. Um, uh, just you know place that key between your guys and go. Okay, he's just barely barely out. Just has to be barely out. Uh, just minimize the amount of things they can kill with a single attack. Is Really, really good. And this this sounds really stupid, but one of the big advantages that, because a lot of people don't get this, but one of the big advantages that a 10-man unit has versus a heavy is that there are nine more models. <laughs> um, Thanks, Chandler. Uh, yeah, I know that sounds really, I know that sounds really like, well, yeah, but a lot of people don't get that. They'll be like, well, this won't do as much work as a heavy, and it's like, maybe not. But there's a lot more bodies on the table, and that has value. Um, that's that's the thing infantry brings to the table that's really good is the way that attacks have to go into them to kill them is very very different. Um, and the other way to do it is to break the math. Um, if you have war wide uh, buffs like Fury or Starcross, not Starcross, the other one, um, Hand of Fate, um, you can instead of relying on spacing and positioning and uh, countercharging, and uh, you can just use your weight of numbers and go. Look, I'm going to lose half of them, but the remaining half are going to hit at ridiculous amounts of damage, and they're going to multiply. You know, instead of fury increasing your damage by three, they're going to increase it by you know 18. Speaking speaking of that, the next question. <laughs> uh, Jonah asks, "Is Testament the new recursion hotness? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been seeing them around. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, fl I flew to Kansas City. Like, how the fuck do you deal with Menoth? I'm like, I thought Menoth was bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. Um, so, yeah, yeah but, actually, Banky was like terrified of this list. He's like, I do not want yeah, to play into this. Yeah, I do so, not want to play into this. So we should mention what this is. Um, there's there's a couple slight variants on this. Oh, moving on. I'm mentioning <laughs> it as the protect as the protector guy. I'm mentioning it. Uh, there's a couple variants on this. Um, I've only played it once, so I'm still wrapping my head around this. But uh, people are taking Testament of Menoth in Exemplar Interdiction, uh, running two units of Errants and three units of Knights Exemplar. Um, I've seen a lot of different layouts for the UAs versus solos versus things like that, but usually it's two errant attachments and three Knight Exemplar attachments. Uh, but I've seen ones where, like, you don't do the errant attachments, and you do, like, Knight Exemplar Seneschals or whatever. Um, 
and and then the battle group is devout with two revengers which is so weird uh it's just two of the arc node shields that we haven't even really seen that much in mark three and um <clears throat> so you threaten uh dust to dust nukes everywhere uh and which RFPs, so this is actually used against uh, Ghost Fleet. People just run those up and arc it into leaders and just RFP them. Um, you will threaten casters this way, because you'd be surprised how often you have, like, 24 focus. <laughs> uh, when they just were like, yes, I'm so strong, I killed your entire army, and you're like, okay, you're dead now. Um, like, dust to dust isn't a great nuke until you can shoot it ten times fully boosted. Uh, and beyond that, unless you really need to do dust to dust, you're just recurring the crap out of everything yeah, over and over and over again. List, which is the most frustrating thing is that um, your uh, the testament turns take no time, and it takes a lot of time to figure out how to get through all those pieces. Yeah. So even if you don't win, your opponent will lose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what a lot of people are saying. They actually do win on clock with this one. Uh, you just you recur your stuff really quickly, you run forward, you charge whatever you have range into, and then you pass the clock. And you just make sure your caster is in a spot where you're not going to die. And that's that's kind of how it's been playing out. And it's been doing really well. So, seems good. Um, we'll see if it sticks around. Seems like it's been doing pretty well. So, I'm going to keep trying it. So maybe, I just, maybe I just need to play that. <sighs> anyway. Don't um, go down that road, Chandler. It's a bad road. Uh, well, it's protectorate, so it's a perfectly good road as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and you know, yeah, it's All the one. On fire. It's know. A, the one game I played was just so weird, so I came out of it with a very strange taste in my mouth. But like, I can't imagine in the long run. I can't imagine in the long run hating the grindiest recursion-based attrition list known to man because that's exactly what I love about life. So. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. this thing sticks around in its current incarnation, I am playing at least one bump list with double Holloman in every pairing that I build. Yeah, pew pew. Uh, yeah, the thing that drives me nuts about this list, honestly, is uh, very limited defensive tech. You have uh, Ashen Veil vale on Molly unit, uh, and um, very static threat ranges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Exemplar are really rough when they don't have anything speeding them up, but... But errants are a really great speed bump, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the next one down? Where are we? Best... One from Zach. Who is it? It's yes. Me, right? <coughs> yes. So, uh, Zach wants to know, as, uh, as somebody who never uses units, <coughs> he wants to know what's the best ways to use them. I think we talked about that a little bit with winning trades. Yeah, this is probably going to end up being either an article that Chandler or I write or an entire episode because it's a hard one. I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's the same so as the, the thing. The newbie unit. Um, so I think uh, melee units are the hardest to use. I think uh, range units, especially those with CRA, are probably the easiest to use. Yeah, I could agree with that. And then there's Idrians, which are weirdly hard to use, but so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think Stormlands are particularly easy to play. No, yeah. No, there, there's some there's something to be said about like when your defensive stats are like real bad, like making that unit work can be can be real rough. Yeah, um, that's pretty much all melee units, right? <laughs> yeah, most of the time. I mean, if you want just like a plug and play, I'm gonna smash you unit. Take uh, Dawnguard Sentinels. Um, yeah. You just like keep them base to base. Take Helena and feet and just like run at them and like, all right, well, you either have an answer or I kill you. Um, um, so the the big thing to learn with them is how to not get in each other's way. <laughs> Spend some time by yourself, seriously. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise, yeah, we talked a lot about that with the win trades, but 
Uh, this is Jaden, right? Yeah. No, no, I just asked the last one. Oh, I'll do this one too. Sure. It's all right. Uh, so this is from Kenny, who's one of my lo- locals, and he says, "How do you equalize or mitigate vast skill differences between players within a meta?" <laughs> That's a question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first and most important thing is to think about it in a positive way. Um, don't just go, "Oh, my meta sucks," and then never play with them or go to tournaments or anything. Um, you are only as good as your meta. So. If you want to get better, you need to put some time in improving your meta. Yeah, and barring, so sometimes you will have those players that are a lot better that are also just the literal worst, like human beings. <laughs> it does happen, uh, but most of the time, if you're if it's a you know decent group at least, um, if there's really strong players in the meta, uh, that's an opportunity for everybody else in the meta to get up to that level. You'll get there eventually. Um, that was how I was. I mean, I, I came into my local area, and I've, I've talked about this before, but the, the rep player who just beat the tar out of me for, like, a year and a half, um, he was ridiculously better than me. Like, ridiculously better than me. And I just, I went to the store, and I played two games with him almost a day for, like, a year. And just, you know, and uh, beyond that, I played against a Legion player who obsessively played Lilith, too. Um... You know, a bunch of players who've been playing for 10 years or whatever who were just way, way better than I was. And I just beat my face down with it and, and thought about the games and talked about the games and talked about the, the people. That's another thing. When, when you play games with these people, like talk to them about it. And this is important. Accept, accept their advice. Ah. Uh, some, some people will, will, will blow you off. Like you'll, You'll you'll have that instinct of of wanting to to say you disagree, and I did that all the time. But in the end, uh, these players were a lot better than me, and I. But over time, and this, it was an interesting transition when I caught up and realized, like, no, you actually are wrong. It's a really it's it's an interesting thing to, to <laughs> uh, reach. Just because but, they're better doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't it's mean true. what they're saying is worth yeah. considering. Yeah, right. That's... Yeah, it's l- listen to it and take it into account is more what I mean. <laughs> I don't mean just take yeah. the word as gospel, um, but. But from the other point of view, uh, it's really important to find uh, players who are willing to learn. Like, that is what they want out of the game. If they mm-hmm. like, what they want out of the game is just roll some dice and have some casual fun, uh, build a Helga list, and knock some shit over. Um, if they if they want to improve, you have to nurture that and, um, like, encourage that. And the best mm-hmm. way to do that is to talk to them outside the game, talk to them about, like, what they're trying to do with the game, like what they're trying to learn, what about list building and interactions and stuff like that. Cause that's good. That's fun for you, right? Because that's why you're playing war machine. Um, and it's good for them to think about it and learn and then play some games and ask if they want advice. And if they, if they honestly want advice, give them as much advice as they can handle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nice. It's a really hard thing to do though. Cause th- honestly, the, diff- the, the thing that this comes down to is that, um, it is on the people that are, I, I think this is correct. Um, so check me on this one, but I, it is on the people that need to learn to be willing to learn more than it is on the people, because because the people that that are on the top end of the meta can reach out all that they want, and if the people that aren't uh, are not willing to learn from them or engage with that, then there's not much you can do at that point. Yeah, you're, at, at that point you're reduced to just throwing money at the problem and just <clears throat> driving, flying, going everywhere that's not nearby. Yeah, that's one thing I always said about our little store, and Jane can attest to this, is in in our store back in the day, it's not so much this way now, but um, we've just got different people now, but uh, back in the day we always said if if you play, actually it's almost any game here, and want to get good, you will get good at it. 
we were very, very good at building other people up. But some people didn't want that, and that was fine. We just yep. we just uh, adjusted accordingly. But yeah, that, no, I can not, I can definitely say not to force advice or games on the people who don't want that kind of game. Oh my gosh. Yep. 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 Yeah. But yeah, I can attest to that. It is it, it is a group effort, and it, it is not just on the the people that are at the top of the meta. The the other people have to be wanting to learn how to play at that level as well. True that. Uh, well, we screwed up the order, so. Oh, for me. I guess. How you decide on stick with a pairing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so you can do what uh, Dan and I do and just not get bored. Um, Yeah, don't do what I do, which is show up to cons and then like build your list the morning that you're. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. (laughs) I I have such like list ADD. I I just I love everything, so I'm always just like, why would I just play two lists a whole bunch? Like blah. Um, Um, if I mean if you can do it. Find one list, find something that pairs with it, write it down, and don't touch it. Yeah. So I did this really well with Circle, um, largely because I think I was basically playing all of the good models in Circle, and so it was really easy for me to just stick with those two lists. Uh, but in Grimkin, I'm having a really hard time, because it's like, well, as long as I'm playing a bump list, and I'm an Azure list, yeah. and I've got Arcana, I'm pretty much fine, right? doesn't matter so what I'm playing. I, I do think what has worked the times when I've been able to do it, uh, find one list that you really, really like and really enjoy. Um, play that for a while. Don't worry too much about the pairing for it initially. <clears throat> when you've kind of established that you just enjoy and, and can play that list repeatedly, start working out what the pairing for that is. Um, and then just take it to events. Like, you'll you'll kind of be forced to, to stick with those as long as you're, you know, as long as that you feel like is the best pairing for it, that's what's going to keep, keep you going. So... Uh, that's kind of what I did with my old Sevy one list, and then that doesn't work as well anymore. So one important yeah. thing is to think about changes or think about when to change your lists um, in a very different way. Um, uh, try when you, when you're trying to stick to a pairing like this, um, instead of trying to solve problems by changing your list, try and solve problems by uh, playing in a different way. Um, so if you if you get smashed in a game, don't go, ah oh, man, I really needed that stealth out. Instead, go. What if I had charged with my trenchers instead of trying to shoot with them? Um, Mage Hunter Strike Force are the best jamming unit in the game. Um, so <laughs> it, it's really important to like have the attitude of, of I'm going to stick with this. Um, what can I do with the tools that I have that I am stuck with? Yeah. Yep. Uh, next one I think is also from Pete. Probably the same guy. I expect. Uh, yep. Where do we think Colossals stand at the moment? Um, this goes back a little bit to one thing I mentioned earlier, which was actually kind of the same reason that uh, Gargantuans didn't see a lot of play in Mark II. Um, a lot of the time, <clears throat> because each Warjack you take represents an extra free focus from power-up, um, a Colossal actually can in some ways be less efficient than multiple Jacks. Uh, that's not because you just get the one power-up focus. That's not always the case, though. It just kind of depends on the Colossal. Some of them are a lot better than others. Yeah, yep. like Hurricane, uh, Axiom, Helios, later, freaking Helios, Marlash, and C-Play. Yeah, like Revelator, C-Play, Judicator's a rough kiddo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this neither, is... Neither of the Craig's Colossals really like, C-Play because they just don't play that way. Yeah, um, generally speaking, that just... Like, models being a colossal, I think, doesn't have as much uh, basis on whether we're playing them as, is it a good model? So good colossals are played, bad colossals aren't. That's just 
Yeah. Yep. Colossals are fine, just a lot of them suck. Gargantuans <laughs> stand on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, Gargantuans. Yeah, and, you know, hey, Wolverine's got some stuff going on and stuff, but. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's just, yeah. The, the good ones are played, bad ones aren't. So. Yep. Yep. It's rough. Alright. Uh, we're on me now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, probably. Sure. Why not? Uh, Dragon Pup, and I think we're getting to the Reddit responses now. Yeah, uh, so we're getting to, we're getting to the, like, non-Facebook ones, so these are weird names. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> wants to know uh, if we think there are any Dark Horses or Buried Treasures out there that are not played a whole bunch. And he wanted from each faction, but I don't know if we're going to hit each one or not. Uh, like half of Protectorate. <laughs> Fair. Uh, uh, so I know that the Dark Horse Buried Treasure that I've been playing with the most recently is frickin' Bogtrog Ambushers. Yep. Yeah, man. Those things are good. Yeah. Uh, I've known that forever. Back in the day <laughs> in both my lists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my buried treasures are madcaps because it, apparently, like, over 50% of the people out there hate them, and I just think they're bonkers. Yeah. So, I don't uh, know. And, um, honestly, uh, Protector, it's in a spot right now where I feel like we can play almost anything. Um, no, it's not S tier, but, like,. There's not really anything that's going to get blown out much anymore. Uh, I mean, hell, we've got Testament of Menoth lists that people are scared of at WTC. Like, what the hell world are we in? Um, <laughs> no, I, I genuinely think a lot of Protector right now has, has a lot of that kind of buried treasure feel to it. So that's, yeah, that's... Thyra is probably the biggest one. People, seriously, every time I hear Thyra mentioned, people are just like, nah, there's other better ones. And it's like, are you sure? <laughs> like, she's real good. <laughs> I don't know how people uh, yeah. aren't seeing that. Um, yeah. As far as like other factions go, um, I had one just a second ago. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of treasure in Mercs. I think a lot of Mercs do not get played because there aren't very many Merc players. And I also think that that is probably about to change because they have a, a couple of really awesome theme forces coming out, and I think they've got some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say for all the factions because Dark Horse by its nature is... Stuff people aren't really thinking of, and <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in ours, yeah, that's where they're at. Uh, Brett, you want to do this one? Sure. Only Dean can lay eggs. That's true. Uh, how do you know if you have enough defensive tech? Uh, do you have three uh, shield guards? Uh, well, okay. Which is funny because I don't even run that. I don't even gav right. I don't even run that many anymore. Like I keep running casters who don't need it. Um, I asked that question the opposite way. Uh. What is the least amount of defensive tech I can get away with? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I so I, I think there's a little bit of a caveat because uh, so, this this is kind of a thing that happens in Protectorate a lot. <laughs> um, a lot of our defensive tech is really good combat tech. <laughs> uh, like devouts are great. Uh, Roman yeah. Co will smash things. You know, like so some factions it's a little different where yeah. you can kind of get away with taking too much because it's really good at killing stuff too. Yeah. Um, that's part of why I don't really run Vigilance, even though they're really good. They hit like weenies, and it makes me sad. <laughs> um, yeah. I think if if your caster is the one bringing the defensive tech, uh, you cannot have too much. Yeah, agreed. Because um, they'll be sticking their face out there to do stuff. and Yeah, well, or things like Deceleration or Swamp Pit, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, if yeah, if it isn't if it is a decent offensive piece, uh, if it can keep itself alive, that's really valuable. Um, yep. Things like carapace. Um, it's if things it... like fragile shield guards or like uh, 
specifically the Kraya, the Orin, and the Agonizer, <laughs> where it's like they their only purpose is defensive. Um, so when that's the case, uh, first off, I would not bring all three of those are you know like thirty points of things like that um, in every list, um, or sorry, rather in both your tournament pairing, um, you want to bring one list that's designed for like. Okay, so this list is defensively oriented. It's going to deliver these slow, heavy pieces into, you know, unlimited amounts of shooting. And then this list is going to be more offensive. And it's like, if they're kind of a balanced list and I don't need a lot of defensive tech, and I just have these, like, this one core piece, this one key piece that keeps my army alive. And keeps yeah. Especially, like, in Scorn with the Kriya, like, you can just bring on Kriya, and then your caster can cast it, and the Shaman that you brought can cast it, and the Kriya can cast it. And you can just be like, look, I have this giant Kriya animus all over the entire table with literally every caster. Yeah, it, it's important to think about your matchups and not and not just put like spell tech and gun tech and melee tech all in every list. It's like, well, this list just this list just dies to guns. That's just a thing that happens. Unless so, you're playing Grimkin, in which case you can do all of that and still have plenty of points over to to murder things with. Well, some of us pre pre CID factions have to make make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the Cage Ranger in every single faction I have. Okay. All right. <laughs> in Dark Menagerie. Yes, in Dark Menagerie. Yes. With free Kravitz. Uh So I think I think the question is um, bring the bare minimum of defensive tech unless that defensive tech is like breaking some sort of insane curve. Like your entire list is immune to guns or your entire list is armor 23. Yeah. Um, or you get like some of those sweet old like Kane 2 lists or even Butcher 3 lists where it's just like 99% defensive tech because your caster is just going to kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah, I got it. Yeah, we'll be fine. Uh, yep. And of course, the next question is referencing the same, but specifically about Kraya uh, or Midwinter Agonizer. Um, we touched on yeah. those a little bit. Yeah, those um, are the <clears throat> defensive pieces that you need to be very, very careful yeah. with. Yeah, Orin especially. Or Orin, you typically can't take for free or discounted anyway because he has a mark, um, and he's five points. Uh, he can be a little bit expensive. Um, but he's a really good tech piece. Um, I know people have been throwing him into lists specifically designed to beat Ghost Fleet if they don't have another good spell out. Yep. Um, he, he's like, he's, Orin is a very specific tech piece. You're, you're looking to counter something with him. Um, so that's what you bring, you know, or list, every list I've seen him in was like, oh, it's very specifically to stop this one situation that this list is going to drop into. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, another question down from, what did you say, what's up? <clears throat> yeah, you just keep that going. Uh, how do you build a list with a colossal in mind? So, um, that kind of depends. <laughs> so, so, so there's kind of two. You mean against a colossal? No, no, no. He was like, how do you build a list like with a colossal with, in with it? Colossal yeah. in with it. Colossal. So, okay. yeah. there's two, I think there's kind of two ways you can kind of look at a colossal, and that's either are you taking it as a question or is it answering something for you? Because um, colossals often turn into question lists, right, where you can kind of take the colossal and make it go way overboard uh, and difficult to deal with. Um, really obvious, like, vanilla version of that is, like, Striker 1, right? Where you're just like, all right, it's armor, 10 billion, like... Uh, from there, it doesn't really matter too much what else you've got going on. The, the purpose of it is to have that, you know, super stacked up Colossal. Um, if you're going more that route, you want to make sure you have good buffs for it. 
the nice so one thing that a colossal does that's really great is uh versus like the same number of points of heavies is being able to put a single defensive buff on it that affects all of that that amount of points of your army right i put defender's ward on a revelator that's 37 points of my army that's been defender's warded whereas if you know i have hmm? he's 37 judicator 36 um whereas like 37 points of like i don't know uh two crusaders and a vanquisher that's a weird one but um <laughs> you can only put it on one of those right yep. um so you're you're kind of maximizing your benefit as far as like boxes to armor bonus goes um the other way is uh, <laughs> all of the colossals especially the ones worth playing are gun platforms that are yeah. also monsters and melee so um you want to think about you want to have uh, the rest of your list is going to range out away from it and be supported by its guns. Um, so you need to be able to like have independent infantry that can take care of faraway zones because the colossal is not good at catching things that are far away. It's really good at holding zones, but it's not going to capture like the, the your opponent's zone and spread them out. Yeah. Yep. The... It's also a really good way to add some serious melee power to a ranged heavy list. Yes. A lot of the Sloan lists that I was seeing that really liked uh, coming out of various players were like all right i've got five like three hunters a couple of chargers and a storm wall and it's like yeah. oh that's a much different list to fight than you know five hunters and a couple of chargers four hunters, right because yeah, like, once you jammed that model. there's not much they can do with it yeah, but, yeah. Yep. jam you with an arm 20 model like, I <clears> like gg yep. <laughs> yep. Um, whereas that one's like all right you jam me with that arm 20 model and my colossal murders <laughs> it so the the other one, because this is one that's been on my mind a lot, is when and this is a little less common is when the is sorry is when the colossal is bringing something that is really unique or very helpful from a utility perspective. Um, yeah, when the colossal is bringing something very unique from a utility perspective. So this is this is why the revelator is interesting, even in lists that don't really buff it. Uh, because it has the ability to strip stealth, uh, it has zone control with its ability to drop four-inch AOEs that stay in play that they can't run through. Uh, it can hit its targets directly. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some weird ones like the uh, the new rat one, right? Uh, Helios. Um, I've seen that one see play, and it's it's with lists they, they, like that one's not a gun platform at all, <laughs> but. Uh, it brings a really weird control element that can be really difficult to deal with. Um, that thing also threatens half a million miles. Uh, with yes. yes, yes, it does. Ron is a scary creature with that thing running around. There's there's a couple like that. Um, there's some that have been around like that for a long time. The Prime Axiom is kind of an interesting one, and in, in that he is a or the Galleon for similar reasons. Um, that drag gun, uh, you know, he's, he's a gun platform, but the drag gun is also greatly changes what that colossal can do. Um, and so ones like that that bring that, you can often find yourself able to put in lists that don't necessarily support it heavily because it's got helpful support aspects on its own. So. Yeah. Colossals are neat. Yep. Sometimes. Some people don't like it. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, from the same person. I'll just read this one too. Uh, counter deploying. Oh, this is like two questions. Uh, yeah. I'm saying this is just how to counter deploy. Yeah, I'm going to just preemptively say that I'm writing an article about this and read that when it comes out, and let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, is it more to dice math, dice math than just hit and damage odds? Yes. Um, so this is kind of, it's also a little bit complicated, but um, 
Understanding the difference between the numbers that come with defense and armor are very important. <laughs> um, there's a reason that def- like what's considered a good defense value and what's considered a good armor value are two very, very different things. Because, um, you know, when you're looking at good defense, you're looking at, you know, 13 in some cases, 14, 15, that kind of thing. Armor, usually at that value, isn't very helpful to anyone. Um, in fact, like, def 15 on a unit is considered amazing, whereas armor 15 is, like, victim stats. Yeah, uh, it has to do with the way that so, the way to think about defense is defense is a yes/no question, right? When you're looking at the idea of uh, can you hit something with mat seven needing that's def fourteen, right? You need a seven. Uh, if you're a low seven or higher, you don't succeed or fail anymore than you would. You just you did hit. It's just a yes or a no. Um, armor is a very different creature. <laughs> Uh, and there's a reason that really extensive armor skew is typically much harder to deal with than a lot of defense skews. Uh, armor, especially when combined with boxes, requires a lot more consistency. Yep. Um, and you have to be able to break a target number repeatedly uh, over a certain amount. Um, this is more just something to think about. There's a lot that goes into the probability of like what that means. Um, statistics is a very complicated subject. <laughs> um, couple other random things to think about. Uh, just because something is dice off seven does not mean you will do no damage to it over a series of attacks. Yep. Um, whereas against defense, you more have to. It can get more iffy. I don't know. It's there's a lot of little tweaks about whether or not like what kind of dice math matters and what doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of it comes down to the difference between defense and armor. Yep. And then yep. sometimes there's the uh, incomparables like, well, I need to live in a universe where I hit three tens. Yep. Sometimes you just gotta make that happen. Yep. It's true. Yep. All right. My turn. Sure. All right. So, uh, the same person has asked, "Have we ever tried multiplayer? And how did we like it?" Oh, um, we did, Jaden. Yeah, oh gosh. Okay, uh, yes. so so this is a two players awesome. Okay. It yeah, right. <laughs> um so he's talking about like two V twos and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So, well, we touched on it. <laughs> yeah, I touched on it. So in No Quarter Prime two, I think we will see some rules touching on this because we're getting the unbound rules. Yeah. The, the rules for more than one player on either side sucked. Really bad. Uh, same <laughs> as, same as things for really large games, which they often use the same rules, kind of. Um, so they were not good. However, there are no current rules for this, and we'll see them eventually, so hopefully it's good. Yeah. I've played in some, w- I've played in some weird formats. Uh, at, uh, Warmshire Weekend last year, I played a, like, Twin Headed Dragon type thing, where we, you had to build one list out of two factions with two casters, and, like, play them at the same time. It was really interesting. Um, and I played that with a buddy, and, like, it's fun, but they're, they're always gonna be janky, uh, yeah. right now, until, until we have some kind of good organized play rules for them that makes sense. My favorite multiplayer thing that I have ever witnessed or partaken in was Jeremy did a thing at Lock and Load where he would play a four-player, 200 points per player, mm, like 14-hour-long 
game, yeah. and it was amazing. For, the, for, like, the gross number of Iron Arena points? Yeah, I remember Yeah, because he, like, got the prints that he wanted just that, off of that, that game. Man, that man, like, exists to game the Iron Arena system. That's, like, <laughs> when we did it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like, there's there's entertainment value to it, but I, I think all three of us do have a tendency to take, you know, even when we're playing a little bit silly, do have a tendency to take the game, like, a little bit seriously, and when the competitive aspects just go utterly out the window, like, it can be a little bit hard. Um, yeah, and big multiplayer games. Fast. Yeah, big multiplayer games are like that. They're just they're they're kind of messy, but I mean, there's entertainment value to it. I'm not gonna say that yeah. they're bad, but ask, you know. ask me again when Company of Iron comes out. I should write some multiplayer uh, scenarios for yeah, that. Yeah, I think there'll be cool stuff for that. Company of Iron, I think, will do a lot of really cool stuff for like interesting yeah. game types of scenarios. So yeah, we should play and stream some Company of Iron at War Machine weekend. I think that would be fun. It could be good. Uh, Brett, do you want to do this one? Yeah. How do we feel about game balance now? Oh, you did this on purpose. <laughs> How do you feel about game I feel like we've, we've somehow lined you up for all these. <laughs> somehow. You just said to do it. Um, versus beginning of Mark Three. Specifically, are themes helping? Anubis 418, I feel like you know the answer to that question, or you wouldn't be asking it. Um, but how do we feel about it? Um, I feel like uh, game balance was at its best point right before theme courses came out. Um, and then Theme Forces have come out very unevenly since then, uh, which is unfortunate because they also came out at the same time when uh, they fixed uh, Scorn and Cricks, which did a lot to help balance. Um, I think I think overall balance is kind of in trouble right now. I think there is an S tier, and I think it's Signar and Cricks. Um, I think there's a large mid tier, um, which is composed of everyone but Rolls and maybe scorn. Nah, scorn's fine. Scorn's fine. Okay, so yeah, it's basically trolls, and you know most of circle. <laughs> but the overall power is fine. Um, yeah. so I think there are two outliers to the to the top, and one outlier to the bottom. Um, and otherwise, uh, that's uh, the game balance is almost perfect. Uh, I think right before themes, it was even better than that. Um, yeah, tricks and scorn were at, or tricks and yeah, tricks and scorn were unplayable that everyone else was almost the same <coughs> i feel a lot better having the top is very frustrating having outliers at the bottom is only frustrating for the people who are playing those factions yep. yeah ask uh, us again in two weeks actually more like a month and yeah, so, yeah. we'll see we'll see also i mean overall like a lot of the really nasty boogeyman stuff has been dropping off over time um right. it's good times yeah yeah most of the time there's a few still but. okay Hey man, Halo Two got knocked down a peg today. <laughs> no, but I mean, like when you started Mark Three, right? Because we're talking about now versus the beginning of Mark Three. When you started Mark Three, it was like Madrak Two was just utter nonsense. War Mode was utter nonsense. Uh, oh. Kane Two, <laughs> Kane Two was ridiculous. You know, it was just, there was all these just like what? Uh, and they've they've just they've slowly you know, and then they released Una, and she was like, what the walls was going yeah. on and then they knocked her down you know and so it's just they, they they've been working on it a lot of the 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 a lot of boogeymen have been knocked down there's just still a few kicking around uh and a couple did get made unfortunately yeah so i um, guess faction balance is a lot better now or sorry caster balance is a lot better now uh there yeah. are a couple of faction theme balance yeah 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 <laughs> time to this one yep. uh how do you evaluate a model um, don't I evaluate a list? Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, not wrong. It's, a, a lot of people forget to take into the context, uh, take into account context when reading over models, which can be very frustrating. Um, so, I don't right, know. So as a, Go ahead, as a Texan on a podcast, don't listen to Texans on podcasts. Okay. <laughs> Noted. So <laughs> um, really, so there, there are two important parts to evaluating model. The first is evaluating uh, when you should put it in. And the second is evaluating how well it fills its role on the table and if there are other things that can do it better. Um, so in the evaluation stage, um, I think everything is worth considering. And if it has, if it matches the theme of the list, if it matches what the list is trying to do and does it in some uh, important way, then it's worth putting table time in. And table time is the true evaluation um, and not just one game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah put less. things on the table. Like, honestly, <laughs> like... Let's just look at two theme forces that were originally decried as complete and total garbage and, and now are seeing play on a fairly regular basis at tournament level. Um, specifically, I'm talking about Ghost Fleet and I'm talking about Exemplar Interdiction because both of those theme forces, when they came out, were, there was a ridiculous amount of whining about them. Um, in fact, I had it come to a head recently because there was a conflict in my meta over it and it came back recently-ish about how bad Ghost Fleet was. One of the players thought it was trash. And I, and um, at the time, like, I didn't have an opinion, but I was like, give it a couple of months. Fast forward a couple of months, and it's ridiculous. And then, yeah. same thing with Exemplar Interdiction. It comes out, everybody's like, but it doesn't do anything for Exemplars. Fast forward a couple of months, Vindictus is awesome in it. Testament is an ATC, or a WTC-level list that people are, like, having to tech for. And, I mean, multiple other casters can run it. And it's just like... Play the thing. Yeah. Yeah, the important uh, part is not to base your evaluation on a small sample size, especially of zero games. But even if it, they do badly in one game, uh, then just pay pay more attention to them. They have to do badly in lots of games before yeah. I would take them out. Uh, the only thing that does get me occasionally with models is when you have two models that do literally the exact same thing, and one of them just does it worse than the other one does. Uh, so, and anything. Um, well, so there... So there, there is a really good uh, extra credits episode on that, on um, the difference between uh, calculations, which is where you, you can simply compare choices numerically, um, mm -hmm. and true decisions, which is usually within comparables or like some other role that like where they they're not just trying to do the same thing. Yeah, well, and that's where like the the model I think of is the Dervish versus the Purifier. Uh, I don't understand that the both of them exist in the same faction. <laughs> Um, it's like, yeah, they do slightly different things, but it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, that's one where almost on paper you're like, I don't understand. But for the vast most part, that's not really the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jayden, you should do this one. What? Uh, how, oh, this one's trolling me. <laughs> it's true, but it's my turn. Alright, fine. So it says, how do I feel about Disciples of Agony? And honestly, I'm like, it's a cool theme force. Now I literally have to just buy a Scorn Battle Box and I can play Scorn. Um, me and players need to calm their shit. <laughs> so, so Disciples of Agony, I think, is a really interesting Scorn theme force. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, I think that it brings up the power level of some really, really bad Scorn Warlocks. Um, and also Morgul 3. <laughs> and um, it doesn't affect minions at all yes they get to play with our models who the fuck cares you should be happy that they're playing our models now more people understand how bad uh, freaking um, actually I can't think of a bad minion war beast off the top of my head bones um, what? 
Bone Swarms? Oh, they're about to be awesome. Okay. Uh, but yes, they are currently very bad. Um, but it, it, like, anything that Scorn can do in that list, minions can do better. So, like, don't worry about models getting nerfed because of that theme. Um, Gosh dang it, Brett. Now I have anything you can do, I can do better stuck in my head, but it's like Naresh and Barnabas having a sing-off. Uh, what goes on in your head? Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a nightmare land. <laughs> um, also, it's going to be released as one of, like, a, you know, five dozen new theme forces, and we're, and minions are getting will work for food, which is fucking amazing. So, yeah. Yep. All right, now it's your turn, Brett. Okay. Are we worried that some models might never see CID since they're not relevant to the current cycle cycle of rules? Uh, not never. Uh, n- not in the next year, certainly. Yeah. The thing uh, that interests I'm... me is uh, we saw a lot of, especially in War Machine, we saw a lot of the like battle group theme forces drop and never in, you know, they were pre like doing anything with CID for them. So there's always that part of me that's like, when are we going to finally get to look at the Judicator? <laughs> <laughs> like any day now. Uh, they've been good about like fitting in the Sea King and um, yeah, reform. yeah, we, we've seen things moved in. So it it just kind of depends. It seems like they're willing to. A lot of the time, it seems like with the CIDs, they're willing to kind of throw in a couple things that are like sort of relevant, you know, and, or and very problematic. T- yeah, or something like that. Yeah, or like, hey, we should probably talk about this while we're here doing it. Um, so I mean, I I think we'll we'll get there yeah. eventually. Yeah, like like <laughs> circling up, getting into the twelfth faction CID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one of the one of the big deciding factors was like uh, for getting me out of circle um, is like I don't see their CID in the foreseeable future so it's like I'm going to have I'm going to be stuck with this trash for months yeah for sure yep same uh, next one down K Finch Finchster Finchster that's her to say uh, what are some things people got wrong about Grimkin uh, uh, gotcha faction <laughs> yeah I don't know like I literally did not participate in Grimkin CID so as the main Grimkin player yeah. in this group and I cannot comment to be oh, honest wait, wait, okay. so I I have to tell the story so I was I was playing in the Grimkin CID and then one of my friends uh, like got out of the game for a little while and he came back for a team tournament and he played against Grimkin and he's like wait it only cancels orders on one unit yeah, yeah. Right. It, it doesn't it doesn't set my entire army on fire no this is way more manageable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, what? Wait, CID works? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's, to a degree, that's still to be determined. Grumpkin's still a little bit new. Uh, but. Play against them. Yeah, just play against them. Alright. Yep. Big fat troll. I wonder if this is gonna be a troll. Uh, maybe. Um, what are some misconceptions that won't die? Uh, there's only heavies on the table. Let me tell you something. The past few months, 90% of the games I have played have been inventory skews on both sides. I Seriously. And if you watch games online and watch tournaments and stuff, yes, there are battle group heavy lists still going around. They're still pretty prevalent. But just as much as that, you'll see tons of dudes on the table. This is yeah. not battle group machine anymore. We've moved past it. And people Agreed. just still are caught up on like, well, nobody's playing infantry. Everyone is playing infantry. Let's like, just like take through my my tournament games here real quick. Round one, three heavies, four units. Round two, okay, it was trolls, so it was all heavies. Uh, round three was five exemplar units. Round four was abbey, so it was all heavies. 
round or round yeah what bite wasps oh bite wasps sure there you go two units uh round five was into was into um ghost fleet so you know multiple units there and so it was like a nice balance i got about 50 50 infantry machine and battle group machine yeah you got to be ready for both of them but they both exist I've talked to people who are just like, no, new deliverers are still terrible because they don't crack heavies. And it's like, they don't need to because everybody's bringing like two units of something nowadays. Like, it's just yep. not the case anymore. Like, that misconception has actually started to frustrate me because it's made discussing certain models really difficult. It's just like, no, that's not happening. Though. Maybe in smaller metas. That's the thing. Always account for that. There are metas where, you know, I know that uh, Salt Lake, hey, a lot of heavies. No, you got- you gotta you gotta be super judgmental if you're gonna be on a podcast. Yeah, right. It, you know, I, I, <laughs> I just you are idiots. I, <laughs> <laughs> Great. There's no sound basis for what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. In, in, on. Just for your meta, but when we're talking about the general skew of things, there's a lot of infantry kicking around. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. What's the next one here? Uh. This is the Syroth, Kiroth, Kyroth. I don't know. I don't know. There's like 90 ways you could pronounce that. Uh, baseless future speculation about trends in the power levels of each faction. Uh, our protector gets better. I refuse to speculate until we have theme forces. Uh, protector, bye, bye, protector gets minions. better. Yeah, buy, buy all the minions. And scorn, because why not? You're halfway there anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, Circle and scorn have nowhere to go but up. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Trolls. Getting new wait, stuff. Faithless future. Um, Crix is not going to get nerfed into the ground. Signar is going to continue getting good stuff. Kador and Menoth are going to continue being powerful, but not quite the top. Um, Retribution's still going to be awesome, but nobody plays them. Um, Mercs are going to be fucking amazing. Uh, Trolls are going to get better. Scorn's going to get better. Circle's going to get better. Legion's going to have things to play that aren't angels. Um, and minions are going to be fucking amazing. All right, there we go. Seems good. Uh, we've got one from Pangorbon. Secret of Kells, wonderful cartoon, if you haven't seen it. Anyway, um, when is playing safe the wrong option? Like, uh, most okay. of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. When you're behind, a lot of the time it's not going to save you. <laughs> so, okay, when is playing safe the right option? Uh, um, if you've got a massive lead and you okay. just need to not blow it. Correct. Um, this can really be boiled down into how to play your caster. Um, yeah. If, if you are even or behind, you need to take risks with your caster and try to get work out of them. If you are ahead um, or on a path to winning, you need to play super safe and protect your only loss condition. Yep. Basically. Uh, yeah. yeah, and other things like if you just massively outthreat your opponent, you don't need to play risky. It, like, basically, so, if you are in a better position than your opponent on multiple various levels of things, you can play safe. Other than that, you have to take risks. Roll them dice. Yes. Uh, uh, yep, that's it. Okay. Has SR2017 shifted things too far, too far towards attrition and scenario? No, it's just right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bias much. Yes. I'm, yeah, right. Um, I'm a little hard. It's a little hard to answer this because in the CID, uh, it was pushing, pushing assassination uh, pretty heavily. Um, but then they backed off on that with the uh, changes to scoring flags, especially. Um, and so I'm kind of mixed right now. I'm going to go with yes, because two of my games went to time, three of my games went to round seven, and I basically got next to no breaks at, <laughs> and it was just like, I got done with this two hour long game, time to play another two hour long game, time to play another two hour long game. 
If they had a scheduled lunch break, I wouldn't have gotten to eat. Uh, so, almost... Fascination-focused faction. <clears throat> Sure, but just in general, like uh, SR twenty seventeen, almost every single game I played has been a glorious two hour slog, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, all I needed in my life. So what is causing it? Is it just the killbox change? Uh, it's killbox change. The fact that the scenarios are super duper, in some ways, they're super duper dead if you both have solos and can just sort of like camp a flag, and then the game is like, look, we're gonna play until no, one of us doesn't have any models left. Um, and also just the fact that the game ends at turn seven. Is kind yeah. of a thing because like and, about turn five, you can stop transitioning away from like trying to win on scenario and just trying to preserve units. Like you could run one dude from each unit to the back edge of the table, so you don't lose on army uh, points. I also think with how spread out the scenarios are, you can't really like focus fire quite the same way you used to be able to. Um, yeah. You tend to kind of have to spread a little bit thinner. So like those assassination runs tends to be like, well, but that unit's way over there because I needed them on that. <laughs> You know, zone or whatever, or things yeah. like that. So it's you're like one piece short all the time. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, too far. That's obviously a matter of opinion. I I've really enjoyed how the games have played out. However, yeah, it's exhausting. Uh, they're long. So. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's my wheelhouse. That's what I like. So. Uh. So man, we ran long. We've got <laughs> we've got kind of a bigger question that was from uh Jackson, right? Yeah, PPS Jackson. Yeah, Jackson Wood, right? That's that one. I Make think sure I'm not thinking it's a different Jackson. Uh, yeah, so he came to us on Reddit and asked a pretty interesting question that I have lost track of. Oh, here it is. Okay. So I'm going to read it because it's got a couple, couple layers. So Jackson asks, what do you think the importance of commentary on the game, culture surrounding the game, and companies involved with games is? Philosophically, what do you believe is added or lost with this additional component that grows out of the community? What makes a discussion in these realms of discussion positive and negative to communities? Um, I'll note he specifically called out that he likes listening to podcasts before asking this, so I'm assuming there's a little bit of a lean towards that. But I think generally he's he's asking about across the board. This is uh, social media, uh, blogging, um, podcasts, uh, video, whatever. Um... So I think this is a really interesting question that not not all content creators, or maybe not enough content creators, have kind of put this question to themselves, but not necessarily all of them have to, so yep. it kind of depends on what you're going for. Uh, you know, I don't want to call anybody out in like a, a negative way necessarily, but um, like one example I might say is like take like Muse on Minis, right? They've been doing their cast forever. And theirs is a very friends get together and just chat like and kind of BS and talk about the game kind of situation more than being a little more focused. So they can kind of be taken with that context, right? So there's there's a degree of ups and downs that come with that. Um, whereas others like take ourselves, right? We aim for a very particular kind of uh, way of talking about things because I think we're trying to be a little more solid on what we're saying and a lot more, um, I don't know the words, I'm, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say as far as that, but a, a little more structured, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, so, gosh, yeah, this is a really amazing question, and I, prob- I think we should take this one after this episode and 
and, and discuss it every <laughs> Yeah, ab- actually, that like it would be good to talk about this this sort of philosophy a little bit. Um, but so I think so. Let's just break down his questions. Uh, what do you think the importance of commentary on the game is and the culture around it? I think it's huge. Um, there, there is no like w- most sports, and I'm going to call War Machine a sport loosely here. Um, have their their sort of their big name stars and their commentators and that entire culture that builds up around it, um, and that's a big part of the buy-in for people. Like I got to experience it for the first time last weekend, where people were rooting for me because I was me. Like they knew who I was, they liked my content, so they're rooting for me to win an event. Um, and that that sort of emotional buy-in is very important, I think, for the game. Um, philosophically, what do I believe is added or lost with the additional component? Uh, I don't know if, I think maybe you lose some of the focus on what the game designers were intending, yeah. uh, but I think you, you, you gain so much more, uh, out of it, right? Like, so sure, the focus isn't necessarily laser sharp where they want it to be, but so many more people get to access the game in different ways, uh, than they would have otherwise. I think probably the biggest problem that podcasts, uh, do is they promote a perceived homogenization of the game, um, because it's very hard to be aware of the things you aren't aware of. Um, sure. So like when a podcast complains about ghost sleep being too strong or testament being broken, um, that's all people hear. And that's all they think about because, Oh, all these big name people are worried about it. Well, yeah. What, what they're trying to say is this is something we're thinking about. This is something that we're concerned about. This is something we're playing against. We're not saying this is the, the end of the game as we know it. Um, yeah. Like I spend a lot of time complaining about theme forces because I, I'm not personally happy with how they are. That doesn't mean that I think the game is terrible. I'm still playing it, you know, three times a week and flying across the country. Um, and that's that's really the the benefit, too, of podcasts, is that they get to show you a different perspective. And it's really important to keep that in mind, is that what they're showing you is their perspective on the game. Like, we're trying to focus on a very, you know, uh, tactical version of the game, a very, you know, think about the game at the highest level and what what you can do to improve and get there and if that's what you enjoy that's what we're here for but that's that's not all the game is that's why we're excited about uh company of iron that's why we're talking about painting and cool models and all that yeah absolutely i mean yeah I, it's just it's hard to understate the the impact that outside commentary can have on everybody's on, on a lot of people's opinions about the game mm-hmm. um speaking as somebody who's been through all of the sort of transition from a very new player to where I am now in like four years. So I remember every step of the way, um, like JVM and Jay Larson and uh, Jason Watts's thoughts or, or even Will Pagani's thoughts and commentary on the game really shaped the way I saw a lot of the different units and lists and, and the tactics that I was using. Um, and I think it's really hard for a game or a sport to exist without that kind of thing. Um, it means that people love it enough to put their time and energy and money into it to talk about it and spread that out. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, it's the interaction that keeps uh, that social media going. Like, right? It's it's knowing that there are people who like your podcast and learn something cool from it and want to hear your opinion on things. Yep. Because uh, like just shouting out in the empty air is only good for extreme narcissists like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board with you there, Brett. Um, no, but the, the, I mean, even with me, cause I, I've asked myself occasionally, cause I just started doing, um, you know, I, I've been running, uh, like 
little groups and communities and getting people together and making content and stuff for games I've played since I was a kid, and I never really knew why. So it's kind of interesting hearing this question, because I was like, yeah, why do I do this? Because <laughs> I've been like... Yeah, as, you know, I was the guy who, you know, I was like a teenager or whatever playing StarCraft and like trying to get all, all these groups together to practice with and whatnot. Um, I made, uh, some years back a, uh, kind of forum and community based website for League of Legends for like two years, um, that I ran and did a lot of events with. And I got into War Machine and started doing stuff with that. And it's, it's just kind of been a, a continual cycle of getting into one thing after another. And to me, it's just, uh, it's it's just a community thing. It's it's about all the the other people that are involved. Um, you know, I, I played the game quite a bit when I was starting out. I talked to a lot of people and, and played with a lot of people in my area and talked to them all the time. But when I wasn't able to play, when I was at, at work or uh, you know at home and nobody else was home or things like that, and there wasn't anything else going on. Uh, I was taking in podcasts. I was reading blogs. I was watching videos. Just not that's how I get into games. I do this every time. And, um, they all meant something different to me, you know, and, and they all have different, different benefits to them. Um, chain attack is very much what I use to introduce myself to everything eventually. Uh, yep. you know, they had all these battle reports. I was like, am I going to get a whole lot out of listening to these battle reports? No, probably not. But I'm going to get, I'm going to hear the names of every caster and I'm going to hear a little bit about what they do. Uh, and then I'll get a little bit of opinions on them, you know, from those guys. Um, I read a lot of stuff from, I mean, just all kinds of sites. There wasn't really one in particular, but I picked up a lot of little things. I looked up things about my particular factions and those shaped how, you know, I, I looked at, at everything. And then you had other ones. You had ones that were like, I just want the experience of friends hanging out and chatting. And I listened to Oz Machine, which I am still to this day sad has died. <laughs> Uh, because three hours of Aussies, uh, just bitching at each other about the game was just wonderful. And it's, you know, everything I wanted. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that you, there's so many different things and, and so many different kinds of content that people make. And that's part of why, I mean, we wanted to do something that we haven't really heard people do with any kind of consistency for a long time. Um, because you just want all those different options. But my favorite part about it isn't really, you know, sitting here uh, jabbering and recording it and sending it out to people. It's when I post it and get it posted to the different t- to different Facebook groups and whatnot, and post articles and things like that. And then people respond, and I get to talk to everybody. You know, that's what a, a lot of people. You know, I am not like an S tier player. You know, I've not won any huge events or anything. Like that. I've done okay, and I'm getting better, and I'm I'm hoping to get better showings in the future, but. A lot of people do know who I am because I talk to everyone and I've had discussions with everyone and gotten ideas from everyone. You know, it's all, it's this huge, just conglomerate, um, that, that we've been able to kind of make of people. And, and I, a lot of people see me doing this on the protector at Facebook where I'm just constantly like running around trying to put out negativity fires. Um, you know, well, there's actually like something, the next part of the question is what makes a discussion in our in these various forms of discussion, positive and negative, to our communities. Yeah, and I I've had my moments of <laughs> wandering into the salt mine for sure, but <laughs> um, overall I run around doing this because I really like everybody being able to look at everything in a positive light. Now, some people have have accused me of just hating any kind of critique because I'm pushing against negativity. Um, the problem is there's a really extreme difference between being 
objective in not really liking something versus just trash talking things. Um, and people fall into this a lot. Um, especially some, I mean, you see this with podcasts too and with, with blogs and things like that, especially some that, that last a long time. Um, they lose that self-awareness a little bit and sometimes it can kind of turn into just sort of complaining. Um, and it's, I mean, we're as guilty as that as anyone else. Absolutely. You know, yep. uh, I mean, <laughs> we have our cycles. Yeah. And yeah. And everybody does. And, um, but it's, there, there's a lot of perception that comes from that. Even if, if you're consistent and, and do good, good content and seem to at least have a reasonable, you know, opinion or at least way of thinking about things like people do start to take you seriously and they start to take your advice. And yeah. if your advice is put through in a really like, um, unspirited or, uh, unsportsmanlike or, uh, unreasonably negative way that leaks out and, and more people get that way. And it, it just, it, it taints things. It does. It's slow and it's, you know, and, and no one of us has that much power, but it's across all the different, uh, mediums. Like when you get a lot of them kind of going this route, it can really affect the way the community handles things. So, yeah. I would like to say that uh, I've been finding more and more and more that the the best players of this game are the most positive and friendly and uh, willing to talk to you, people that I've ever met. Um, I, part of the reason I had such an amazing time at Attack X last weekend is just because all of my opponents were just these fantastic people to talk to and play with, and we, we chatted, we laughed, we went and got food afterwards, um, and like I could just... Like what you're talking about, I could tell that they were excited and enthused about the game, and that they wanted to be there. They were happy to be there, um, and that they have you know great hopes for the future of it. Yeah, you play with some people, and you're like, "Do you like this game? <laughs> Are you sure?" Yeah, I think I think it's really important to think about the philosophy you're promoting um, as mm-hmm. a social media um, provider, um, because like if like. We're, we're really big on the um, think about your game, practice your game, improve yourself, here's how to improve. Um, but that's not the only way to enjoy the game, right? Um, so oh, yeah. like we're, we're targeted towards you know people trying to improve, people trying to be high-end players. And so um, if all podcasts have that same philosophy, then it might seem like this game is only for people like that. And that, that could be a problem. So it's really important to think about like what type yeah. of game you're promoting by how you talk about it. I mean, it's it's true because you got to think about uh, people who are going to put this amount of time into content creation are a lot of the time the people who are really into the game, and so it's a lot of the time, yeah, there's not a lot of content for people who are wanting to play very casually because just kind of by that nature, those people aren't necessarily making as much big content. So it's kind of like it kind of changes the perceptions of things. It's interesting. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. You want to think about like the game you're trying to promote, for sure. Yep. It's a big topic, and it's it's something we'll we'll touch on more in the future. I think it kind of got all of us thinking about it a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm losing my voice. I've <laughs> 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 been sick for days anyway, uh, so we should knock this one out. Yeah. Right. Uh, so of course, thanks everybody who's been supporting us on Patreon. Uh, I'm gonna be getting back on the ball, getting uh, articles and stuff out. I just literally life just kept hitting me i was like had some stuff going on and then we went on a trip and then i was like all right gonna write articles and i got super sick and i was like good lord stop um so yeah uh everybody who's uh been helping out on that definitely doing it, it it's a ton for us to be able to kind of keep being able to do this kind of thing uh Jaden, you know 
probably wouldn't have been able to make it to Attack X, and especially not Worm Shoe Weekend without that. No, s- straight up, <coughs> I was only able to go to Attack X because I had the Patreon help. That yeah. that was the only reason I was able to go. So thank you guys so much. It means it means so much to me. Yeah, seriously, and I'm the same way for for War Machine Weekend. I'll be there, and it's it's only on account of of your guys' help. So it's a really big deal for us. Uh, thanks, of course, to Broken Egg. Uh, they've been super awesome for us. Um, yeah, we need to get in and uh, check on what some of the stuff they've got going on uh, lately. Oh, is. I, do, I do have an announcement. I forgot what? to mention at the beginning. They're going to be at the Michigan GT, uh, and they'd like everybody to come say hi at their booth. And they awesome. also have their three-dimensional um, tabletop adventures buildings back in stock, some of them. And yes. I just ordered one because I want to play with buildings, and they look super sweet. Yeah. They're also yeah. making sweet tokens for L5R. If you're playing that, shoot me a message. I'd love to chat about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, you can use the code LOS5CODE for 5% off on the Broken X store. Uh, and you can get a link to that from our website, which is LOSWarMachine.com. Find us on Twitter at LOS underscore Chandler, at LOS underscore Jaden, and of course Brett at ChokeObsessed underscore LL, who might check it once in a while. Hey, maybe uh, I'll be back in circle and it makes sense again. Yeah. <laughs> um, our email, LOSWormahords at gmail.com. Hopefully I will notice your emails amongst the spam that we now get all the time. Yeah, uh, we got another this episode was being recorded. Oh, did we? Great. Yeah, no, trust me, that it's getting jank. Um, I'm going to have to play with our settings on that a little bit. Uh, our Facebook is, of course, just line of sight. We're just a podcast page on there. We post all of our stuff there, a lot of discussion there. So it's a good place to get a hold of us. And also you can message any of us directly on Facebook. You can usually find us on any of the factions that we're known for playing on or through the line of sight page. So, yeah. Yep. Long episode. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. 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 Very good episode. Uh, it's going to get really minimal editing, so... Sorry about my baby in the background, but she's uh, having a... really bad that uh, Lael tear is now. You know what? You'd think that that's anger, but she's just taken to making that noise when she's happy, and so it's... <laughs> we always run over to check on her, like, are you okay? And she's got this huge smile on her face as she's, like, shrieking and screaming bloody murder, and we're like, okay. <laughs> I guess you're fine. Um, yeah, the... My second baby is a lot louder than my first one. Um, yeah, so I'm turning this one in, around in about a handful of hours, so it's going to be good times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so shoot any of us a message if you have any questions, ideas, whatever, and we'll talk to you all on episode 14. Sweet. Later. See you later.